0: Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. It is so good to welcome you to worship this morning. All of you in cafe, I, I love you guys so much. Welcome to you. Uh, good to see everybody. I woke up this morning. It was 33 degrees. Where do we live? Oh, my goodness. How many? Some of you people are saying, I can't wait for cold weather. Who are those people? Who, who, who are you now? Are you happy now? Yeah. You're happy now? Uh, I, I, you're lucky I'm not preaching in my coat. I, I, I just, oh, gosh, I, I just we have a new president elect who promises to make America great again. I just want somebody to make it warm again. That's all I all I care about. Make it, make it warm. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65. I want to take a couple of messages here and talk about vision. Talk about vision, what it means to follow God's vision as a church, what it means to follow God's vision for your life. Uh, God's vision. Open to Isaiah 65. I want to start with a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. This is what the Word of God says. Say these words with me. Read this with me. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Let there be no divisions. Look at that word there. We're used to the word division. but you ever pay attention to where words come from, where this word comes from? It's got two parts. It's got a prefix, die, and that prefix always has to do with Two. Yeah, like like two. So so the, the idea is died, two, and then the second part is the root word vision. So the word division literally means what? Two visions. Yeah, two visions. So the word division has to do with that idea that you really can't have two visions. You need to learn to see the the same. And that's very, very difficult when you get a group of people together because if you have two people, you're going to have two ways of seeing the world. So, very, very honestly, the only vision that really matters is, is God's vision. That's what we have to realize as a church. The only vision that matters is God's vision. Now, we talk a lot here at Woodburn Baptist Church about vision, about the 2020 vision, and and I like to be a leader that leads with vision, but let's make one thing perfectly clear. It's not my vision. It's not your vision. It really doesn't matter how many visions we can put together. The only vision that matters is God's vision. We have to find God's vision for our lives, for our church, and God has a vision for the world. This is what I want you to understand. And Isaiah 65 is a beautiful, beautiful picture that God gives us of his vision for the world Uh, find his vision for your life out of out of this chapter it's it's absolutely amazing I I love it now before I get to our passage look back at verse 1 notice where this chapter starts the Lord says I was ready to respond but no one asked for help I was ready to be found but no one was looking for me So this chapter begins before God lays out his vision for the world. God wants you to know he's been ready to help. He's been always ready to to, to do. But at the same time, it seems like nobody's asking for his help. Nobody's looking for him. He says, I'm here. I am here. But no one's looking for him. That's interesting. It goes through this chapter, which is primarily about his judgment. And God's judgment always has to do with separation, removing the the, the, the righteous from the wicked, separating the righteous and the wicked. But then in verse 17, he starts with his vision. Uh, this is beautiful. It's one of my favorite passages. It's probably one of my favorite passages Because of verse 20, no longer will babies die when only a few days old. In my ministry, I've had two opportunities to watch a baby die in the parents' arms. Um, God's vision from Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. Look, look, (laughs) I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad. Rejoice forever in my creation. And and look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the cursed will die that young. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live long as trees, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. It will not work in vain. Their children will not be doomed to misfortune. For they are people blessed by the Lord, and their children, too, will be blessed." I will answer them before they even call to me. While they're still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow, but the snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. Look, he says, look over and over, look, it's a, it's a vision. A few years ago, I had a couple come to me uh, to get married. Uh, so over the phone, I made an appointment for them to come in and, and we started, you know, I set up a session to begin premarital counseling. And so they showed up on their first session. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you just see a couple and think, man, they don't go together. They just don't go together. This girl, this girl was so pretty. I mean, this girl was so pretty. And this guy was not. I mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't mean to talk about people. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, you know. Man, I mean, it's this guy. I mean, honestly, if she have just said, you know, listen, I found this random hobo, you know, out walking around the parking lot. I mean, I would have believed that. I mean, they just did not look like they went together at all. So... So they sat down and we, we started the counseling. Uh, I always start out with, you know, well, tell me what first, you know, what first attracted you to your fiance. But this time I really wanted to know. <laughs> <You> know <laughs> I said, you know, I asked the bride, uh, I said, oh, you know, what was it that, you know, initially attracted you to him? You know, <laughs> and yeah you know, true story, uh, uh, true story. She said, well, obviously he's cute. <laughs> That's what she said. Obviously he's cute. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking, dude, you better marry her before morning. You better marry her before the lights come on. I mean, obviously he's cute. Isn't that just great? Isn't it great that women just fall for all shapes, sizes? I mean, isn't it just great? that I mean, they say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Which just is meant to emphasize the fact that we can all look at the very same thing, but not see the same thing. We can look at the very same sight. We can look at the same scene. We can look, but we don't necessarily see the same. Vision is very subjective. In a lot of ways, we simply see what we expect to see, or we see what we want to see, or we sometimes just see what what, what we wish were really there. But one way or the other, when it comes down to it, you and I do not share the same vision. We just never, ever do. We don't see the same. So when it comes to getting people to agree on a vision, when it comes to getting people to to see a vision for their own life, it's extremely difficult because, as I say, vision is very, very... um, (laughs) peculiar. We don't see the same. It's subjective. So who has true eyes. Who is it that sees correctly? Who sees clearly? Who absolutely has the, the clearest, most perfect vision? You'd have to recognize it's the one who sees everything from above. The, the one who sees everything truly. And that is the Lord God. He has eyes that see. And he is the one who sees perfectly. He is the one that sees clearly. The Lord God. And that's what makes this passage so absolutely beautiful. It starts in verse 17. What's this commandment here? This whole passage starts with the commandment, look, look. And he says it again. He says it again in verse 18, look. So recognize this is a passage about vision. This is a passage about God saying, open your eyes. I want you to see. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people, and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Look, he says, look. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they've lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. In those days, people will live in houses they build, they'll eat from vineyards that they have planted. When God looks at the world, what does He see? What does God see? God sees this perfect world that he's creating. He sees it as if it's already complete. When God looks at the world, he sees the world that's going to be the world that he is making. And and recognize, it's not saying I'm going to do this or I hope to do this or or maybe this is the, 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 the wish that my heart makes. God is saying I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm creating. And he sees it already. When God looks at the world, he sees it as it's going to be. He sees it as he is making it perfect, holy, everything in harmony with his love. But when you and I look at the world, that's not what we see. That's not the world we live in. Maybe God has eyes to see the world like it's heaven on earth, but it is not heaven on earth for us. Even as he goes through and talks about the world that's going to be, he continues to remind us of the world that is. A world where babies die within just a few days of their birth. Have you seen that? Have you ever watched a baby take its last breath? There's something about that sight that the heart just doesn't even want to believe is possible no longer will an adult not live out a full life it says I mean how many times have you been trips to the funeral home have you just gone and think this isn't right this, this isn't right that the world is like this that the world permits so much pain that the world continues to permit so much loss never again the passage continues to say the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more never again in those days people live in houses that they build they laid out of the vineyards that they have grown nobody's going to come and kick you out of your house he says nobody's going to come and take your farm people will live long their children will will live blessed lives it's just amazing picture it's not the world we see it's not the world we live in I, I told you the chapter starts out with the Lord saying I was ready to respond but nobody asked I was ready to help, and nobody asked for help. I was saying, here I am, here I am to a nation that didn't call on my name. And, and I, p- part of this audience would probably argue with that. You'd say, how does God say that nobody calls on his name? I mean, when we look at the world and we see it as ruined and broken as it is, we're all the time calling out to God, saying, God, why is it like this? But, but recognize, a lot of times what we call praying isn't really praying at all. God says, I want people to ask for my help. I want people to seek me. Our our praying isn't often a, a true seeking of God. We don't really ask for God's help. Let's be honest. Most of the time, our praying is really just nothing more than complaining to God about God. We're just telling God how much we don't like our lives, telling God how broken everything is. But honestly, we're not seeking him. Honestly, we're not asking for his help because to tell the truth, we don't really want God all up in this. We don't really want him all up in this. We want God to tinker around the edges. We want God to keep our lives secure and comfortable. But what God has in mind is goes a whole lot further than just making your life a little bit better. He wants to remake you. It's not just going to cheek around the edges. He's making new heavens and a new earth. So that's why this passage starts with the commandment just to look. Look. Because God is going to do this thing. It's not a question. God is going to do this thing. And he's starting right now. And guess where he's going to start? Making a new heaven. Making a new earth. Guess where he's going to start? He's going to start with you. It starts with you. And what's the first thing he's going to do in your life? He's going to teach you how to see. You've got to look. You've got to learn how to see what God sees. Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation, and look, he says, look, do you see how God's plan, God's vision is, is, is grand? It, it encompasses the whole cosmos. He's making everything new, everybody, everything, the heavens, the earth, the universe, everything. He's remaking it now. Now, how is it that he can do this? Well, he's a creator, y'all. He's a creator. He can create a new heavens and a new earth because he's the one that created the old one. Now, he did not make it like this. He didn't make it broken. He didn't make it ruined. He made it good. He made it perfect. The world that God made perfectly reflected his love and his holiness. And that's what God intends. But the world that we live in now is ruined with sin. And it's not a small problem. It is a problem that goes to the very root of creation now. And that's our doing, not God's doing. But God, being a gracious God and a loving God, is not going to give up on the universe. He's not giving up up on the world that he's made. He's not giving up on you. So look, he says, I'm going to make it all new. I'm going to recreate the heavens and the earth. Look, rejoice, be glad. It's this giant vision. It's a giant vision for for restoring all of creation to the glory that reflects its creator, restoring everything. So recognize, God himself is is a vision caster. God himself is the one who sees this world as it's supposed to be. God himself is the one who sees, and because he sees, he's going to do this. There's no question about this. This is what he's going to do. And it's grand, and it's large, and, and, and it's more complicated and more glorious than you can possibly imagine. But how's he gonna do it? I mean, again, look at the details of this enormous vision. People won't work in vain, verse 23. Their children won't be doomed to misfortune. People will be blessed by the Lord. Their children, too, will be blessed. I'll answer them before they even call on me. While they're still talking about their needs, I'll go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, the lion will eat hay like a cow, the snakes will eat dust. Here we go. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed. No one will be hurt or destroyed. How's God going to do that? How's he going to do that? I mean, honestly, how's he going to create a world where there's nobody that's going to be hurt or destroyed? Because the world is filled with people who will hurt and destroy you. I walked into one of our Woodburn neighbors' homes one day. I I, I knocked on the door. I I didn't hear anybody, but I heard the radio playing. So I walked in because the radio was playing. I walked in and I I know the people really, I mean, I know the people really, really well. So I started calling out, you know, hey, hello, it's Pastor Tim. Hello, hello. Walked all the way through the house. Y'all, I mean, they're not home. Radio just playing. So I walked back out and went home, you know, later. I said, I stopped by your house today. I didn't mean to just walk in, but I heard the radio playing. Nobody's home. They said, yeah, we do that. I said, why why do you play the radio not at home? Well, you know, so people think we are home. They won't break in. (laughs) Well, you know, you could lock your door. I mean, you know. (laughs) Welcome to Woodburn, y'all. It's, it's a pretty good place to live. Now, my, my my thinking is, you know, even those people probably locking their doors by now. I mean, that's not the world we live in. We're like, oh, the radio's playing. I'm not going to go in that place. You know, they got the radio. <laughs> not going to steal from them. They got a radio p- playing. Man. The world's filled with people who just walk in with your radio playing or not. You understand? I mean, the people just as soon knock you in the head as look at you. I mean, the world is filled with, with, with wicked, evil people who intend to do you harm. On top of that, there's a people like me and you that don't necessarily mean to harm people, but we harm people all the time with our words, with just the way we act, with the way we think only of ourselves and never of other people. I mean, how is God going to do this? How is he going to make the world perfect? How is he going to make the world safe for nothing but righteousness? How's he going to do that? Well, this is what you really need to know and what you really need to understand about God's vision and how it works. First off, let me remind you, God's going to do this. It's not in question. There's no question at all. This is what he's going to do. As a matter of fact, understand this is what he's already doing. This is the work that God is doing in the world now. It doesn't start like sometime later, like after the rapture. or no. This is what God is doing now. This is God's work, remaking the world. This is what God is doing now. And and, and how is it going to be possible that in the end everything is only perfection, in the end everything is only love and holiness, how? Well it's called judgment, and this chapter is primarily about judgment. Before you get to verse 17, you have to get through all those other verses where God says, you know, it's kind of like grapes, Where when you have a cluster of grapes, you've got grapes that are good and you've got grapes that are bad. And before you can move forward with just the good grapes, you've got to remove the bad grapes. It's called judgment. And this is what God does. He separates. He separates. Notice the very important word in verse 9. I will preserve a remnant. A remnant. So understand, this vision for the world that God loves, and God loves the whole world, it's not that God wants anybody to be left out of this. This is what God wants for everyone. God wants everybody to live in heaven. God wants everybody to know his love and his holiness. But not everybody's going to know it for the very simple reason that not everybody wants it. Not everybody's going to choose it. Some people choose to walk in the opposite direction of God in his vision. Some people choose to oppose his love in the world and in their own lives. Some people don't want anything to do with God. Now understand, in God's vision, the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of God. So if you really don't want to know God, then you're just going to have to not be there. And that's the point of judgment. There is a removal that takes place. So what you have to understand very, very carefully is that the fulfillment of God's vision is not in question. God's doing this. It's going to happen. The real question is whether or not you're going to be a part of it. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is going to happen. God is doing this now. It's going to be the world that God creates. The question is are you going to be a part of it? God's going to take a remnant of people and and, and move forward. And and, and the remnant are are the believers, the remnant are those who love God and want God and serve God. You make that choice. So God is the vision caster. God is the one who sees and God is the one who is doing this work. There's no question that he's going to fulfill his vision. There's no question he's going to do what he sets out to do. He's God. The real question is, are are you going to be a part of it? Now, I'm using the word vision this week and next week as well. Understand that that word vision is, is obviously a giant word. It starts with God's own vision, which is a vision grand enough for the whole cosmos, the, the, the universe, the heavens and the earth. What God is doing is, is gigantic. So as our church looks for vision, our church's vision is not going to be different from that. It's going to be our part in what God is doing in the world. You see that? When you see God's vision, then you share God's work. So we talk about our church's vision. What we're talking about is is our part of the work, our part of seeing that God's great vision for a new heaven and new earth, that 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 is fulfilled. We have a part to play in that. When we see it, we join in the work. So that's true for our church, and it's true for your life. God has a vision as well for your life, but it's not different from or separate from the vision for what he's doing in, in all of the world. You're a part of that. But in the same way that he's making new all the heavens and the earth, he wants to make you new. In the same way that he's creating a a world where nothing is hurt or harmed, God wants to create you, to recreate you, so there is no longer that tendency to hurt or to harm others. Understand what I'm saying? It's hard for us, though, because we have a tendency to love this world. We have a tendency to love things as they are. And that doesn't mean necessarily that we like the way things are, but we still have this tendency to love the way things are more than we enjoy the idea of change. We don't like change. We would rather just live in sort of the miserable world that we know than take a risk on the world that we don't know. And this is the dilemma for us. Notice that he says, look, I'm creating new heavens and new earth, and no one will even remember the old ones anymore going to be a whole lot of things just simply forgotten, the Lord says. When when my vision finally takes place, I understand, going to be a lot of things that you thought that, that would never go away, they're going to be gone away, and you won't even remember them anymore. So this moving forward into the vision God has for us has a whole lot to do with forgetting, a whole lot to do with letting go of things. The bottom line is God is calling you forward, Because God is always calling us forward. God calls you from the future. God is not calling you from the past. He never does. Now, the older I get, the better the old days look to me. I mean, I just look at young people, these things, and think, you know, God help us. You know, God help us. There's nothing left to pierce or tattoo. God help us. I mean, I don't even know anymore what's going on, you know. And it's just strange how how old age does that to you. You start thinking, man, what happened to when television shows are good? There's nothing on TV to watch, you know. You just don't even say that to young people because they just look at you and think, what are you? Papaw, get out of here, you know. <laughs> It's this tendency that the more time and life you have behind you, the more attached to all of that you become. Just sort of love the way things were. You just love the way things are. But I'm telling you, God's never calling you back to the way things were. God's not going back. God is always moving forward. His vision is a future vision, not a past vision. It's a future vision. And God is never asking you to stay put right where you are. No, you can't do that because this present moment in one more moment is going to be past. You cannot fall in love with the present. You cannot fall in love with the past. God is always, always calling you forward. God is calling you into the future. That means that you have to love the things that God holds for you in the future more than you love the things you have in the present without Him. You have to love the things that God has for you in the future. And you have to be willing to let a lot of things go. You have to be willing to let the past go. have to be willing to let the present go because you can't hold on to it anyway. Creating new heavens and new earth, he says. No one will even remember the old ones anymore. We have this really bad habit, all of us, of remembering all the things we ought to forget and forgetting all the things we ought to remember. Understanding God's vision has everything to do with learning to forget the things you need to forget, remembering the things you need to remember. As as I say, God's vision is certain. It's it's not in question. God is sovereign and he will work his purposes out. The only thing in question is whether or not you're going to be a part of that. So let me put this in front of you and then we'll uh, wrap things up. Here's what I want you to know. God's vision is a revelation of what is possible when his unlimited power meets our total obedience. Now, again, I remind you, God's vision is going to be fulfilled. The question becomes, are you going to be a part of it? So when God shows you his vision for your life, for for this church, when you see the big picture of what God's doing in the heavens and the earth, understand that that's a revelation of what is possible. Not that it may or may not happen. It's just you may or may not be a part of it. But the only way that you'll be a part of it is, is through the grace of God in a life of total obedience. What God wants to do in your life is, in a lot of ways, up to you. Remember how the chapter started? There's a lot of things I want to do, but nobody asked me. No, nobody, nobody asked me for help. And it's not just asking God to help you in the ways you want to be helped. If, if you're going to ask God to come into your life, he's not going to come in and then just serve you. He's not going to come in and work around the edges of your life just sort of like a heavenly butler. That's not what God's going to be. He's going to be your Lord, Your master. Which means when he comes into your life, he's going to take over. In the same way he's making a total new heavens and a complete new earth, he's going to make a complete new creature out of you. So it's not about just asking God to help you in the ways you like his assistance. He didn't come to assist you. He came to rule over you, to reign in your heart. So if God's vision for your life is going to be realized, understand, you're going to have to learn to live a life of obedience to him. To see his vision is to share in his work. And to share in his work means you come in under him. You're the servant. He's the master. It's never going to be reversed. The commandment in Isaiah 65 is to look. Look. Because as much as you think you've seen it all, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything until you see things the way God sees things, the way God sees the world, the way God sees our church, the way God sees your life. And once you see what God sees, then you will begin to do the work that God does. God's making a new heavens and a new earth, it's glorious. A world where nothing is harmed or destroyed. A world where everything lives in perfect harmony with God's own holiness and God's own love. Nothing to oppose God's love. He's doing that already. He's he's doing it. New heavens, new earth. Do you want to know where it begins? It starts with you. He wants to make you new. Pray with me. Lord, we uh, go through our days with our eyes wide open, but we're blind, spiritually blind. We don't see you at work in the world, Lord, and it's not because you're not at work. It's because we don't know how to see. We look at our church, Lord, and we see all sorts of things, and we have all number of competing visions, Lord, but we don't see what you see, and we need, Lord, new eyes, We look in the mirror, Lord, and we don't even see the person that you see. Most of us have no idea what you want to do with our lives, Lord. So when we pray, we pray blindly. We pray, Lord, with total ignorance because we've never sought your wisdom. We've never sought your vision. We've never truly asked for your help. We've never really learned to want you. Lord, we know that your vision, Lord, your way of seeing is Perfect. And we know, Lord, that because you see things perfectly, Lord, everything that you do is good and everything that you do is right. And even though your work, Lord, sometimes in this world is painful to us, Lord, I pray that you will have all of your purposes fulfilled in us. Lord, teach us not just to see the vision, Lord, but to enter into the work and learn to live lives of total obedience that we might be a part of what you're doing in the world. And those of us, Lord, who continue to complain to you about you and call it prayer, Lord, those of us who continue to ask for your help while at the same time we really do not want your presence and power in our lives, Lord, help us. Help us to see that life is too short and that time is too fleeting and that the world itself is passing away, Lord, and there's no time for anything less than your beautiful grace and our total obedience. So, Lord, this morning, open our eyes. Teach us to see and help us, Lord, to seek your vision for our lives, our church, this whole world. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.